Episode 42 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast is with Evie Casagrande. Evie works with Orlando Pride. She's an SNC coach for Orlando Pride. She's also a network sports scientist at US Soccer. It was great to have Evie on. We've followed her work for a long time now online. She put some great information out, which we discussed in the episode. She came on to talk about her training philosophy. She spoke about all the different mentors that she's had across her career so far, and there's some big names in there, so keep an ear out for those. Also, um, creative coaching, so how she is creative with her coaching um, and and the sort of influences that have allowed her to be creative with her coaching. And then also she touches on, we have a little chat about the progression of the women's game both physically, but also what's going on and, and the coverage that they are getting in the women's game and, and how it's progressing. So it was great to have Evie on. We did have a little bit of trouble with Skype at certain points. So there, is been, there has been a little bit of editing on this, on this episode, but I just think there's some absolute quality information on there. So instead of re-recording, I've left the information on and hopefully you take loads from it because it was great to speak to Evie. And like I said, she put some amazing information out, so it was good to get into her mind and see the influences that she's had on her career so far and um, what has formed her practice. So please, as always, share the episode, share it with friends, colleagues, whoever you may think will benefit. It'd be great to get this out to as many people as possible. And if you do have time, head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and just mention which episode you've enjoyed the most um, and what you've taken from the episode so far. Thank you for listening as always, and here's the episode with Evie. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. I am delighted today to be joined by Evie Casagrande over from America. Evie is a SNC coach for Orlando Pride and also a network sports scientist with US Soccer. So Evie, first of all, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much. It's an honor to, to be on your podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for the invitation. No problem at all. And I did apologize before we went live for potentially butchering the pronunciation of your name with my northern accent. Um, but I hope I did a, an okay job. It was amazing. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. So let's kick us off. I, I mentioned your current roles then, but talk to us about where you've been and what has led you to the roles you're in currently. Yes, definitely. Um, well, so everything started, I'm from Brazil uh, originally, so I play professional soccer in Brazil and uh, play high school over there, and my dream was to always come to the, to the U.S. to play and study, because in Brazil you, you have to kind of choose between the two. Um, so I was fortunate enough to, um, I had the investment of my parents, my stepdad, who helped me through um, you know, getting all the tools that I needed to kind of get into a good school and learn English and be able to um, get a video together with uh, an American school in, in, in my hometown, uh, which I got a scholarship to go to Bowling Green State University uh, in Ohio. That's back in 2010. So I, I went there. I, uh, I was actually a pre-med student at the time um, and then played soccer there for four years. Um, and then when I graduated, I, I, I was, uh, it was kind of a crazy story. I wanted to go pro in Europe, um, got an agent and, um, unfortunately he pretty much stole my money and ran away. So I was in a limbo. It's like, Oh, I need my visa was about to expire here in America, but I wanted to stay here. Um, 
and things didn't work out the way I planned. So I, I kind of like, okay, med school probably is not for me. I want to be involved with sports again. So that's when I decided to get uh, my master's degree in back in Bowling Green. So I uh, got offered an assistantship to be a, a graduate assistant there in the program of kinesiology and exercise physiology. Um, and um, as well being the sports performance coach for the team that I played, um, the D1 team there. So um, I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to pursue my master's, and I fell in love with it. And I'm like, this is perfect. Uh, this is actually everything I like, is sports and health together. Um, stayed there for two years from 2015, end of 2015 to 2000, end of 2017. Um, and meanwhile, I was in my master's, I tried to get as much experience, practical experience as I could. So, uh, fortunate enough to get an internship at Exos at, in 2016 in Los Angeles. So try to make my way there. I didn't have a lot of money. So, uh, got some friends that helped me out with a couch in, in California for four months. Um, and I was able to really be immersed with the best coaches and the best athletes in the world. Um, met my, which, who is my current mentor, Ben Ashworth, who at the time was the physio from Arsenal, uh, got the chance to help coach uh, uh, Ox Chamberlain, Carl Jensen under Ben's, uh, he was there with them. So um, that's when everything opened up and I, I kept in touch with Ben Ashworth and he was an amazing mentor, still is, we still talk every week. Um, and he opened the doors to, to kind of go to Arsenal if I was meeting one, just like shadow them. Um, so I, I, I saved all the money I got and then the next year I got a really cool professional development trip. Um, I spent two months all over Europe, I had friends all over so I could stay with them. So. Stayed 15 days in Arsenal following Des, uh, Raymond and um, Potty and Ben Ashworth. Um, and it was a really good experience because I was able to see everything and learn from the best. Um, spent some time with um, Tom Allen at, at the time he was at Aston Villa. Um, spent some time with FC Basel academies, academy teams. And um, it was just awesome because I could really get all the theory from my master's into uh, practical experience. I brought it back with me to the, the BGSU women's soccer, Bowling Green women's soccer team and the coach there at the time really gave me freedom to really try everything out um, and for me it was a great trial and error experience. Um, I also had the pleasure to have a mentor as Kelly Sterrett who is still Still, my mentor and open all the doors for and tools for the certifications and you know, kind of teach me a bunch of his awesome stuff. Um, yeah, so I from then I created my own philosophy. I picked the best things from the best coaches, the things that I believed in, and was really, really teaching myself, you know, my philosophy. And um, it was an amazing experience with BG. We got a really you know, we didn't have a lot of injuries, which for me was really good first year to kind of see what worked, what didn't work. Um, so I stayed there until 2017. Then I got offered a position as a director of sports performance in a youth athletic training facility in Michigan, uh, where I stayed there for a year and a half. 
uh, until this year. And, and again, that for me was the most amazing experience because I love training youth and I developed a lot of my philosophy based on training the youth and saw a lot of similarities between the youth and the professional and the you know general population. How can, can I merge everything together? Um, during that time at, at Redline Athletics um, in Michigan, um, I was invited to be a um, sports performer, sports scientist and, and the network professional from U.S. Soccer Youth Academy. So I did two trips with uh, uh, under 18 um, with uh, in England and France. So that, that was amazing too, to kind of grow uh, a little bit more, especially in terms of GPS and data, which I was kind of new to it. Um, so it was really good. And then this April, uh, this year, um, I came to Orlando. So I got, accept I accepted a position as my full-time position with the team um, with Orlando Pride of the NWSL. Um, so I arrived kind of in the middle of the season. They just started preseason then. So it's been a really, really cool experience. And uh, with its challenges, just, you know, for me to kind of get into the swing of things and make sure I understand what, what's in place now, how the team is like, and kind of build up from that for next year. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. And it's, it's been really, really, really cool journey uh, to get here. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear such an amazing journey to where you are now. It's, it's inspiring, I think, to people to hear about the, the sort of sacrifices you made for your career so far and all the moving around you've done. So, I mean, congratulations yeah. for everything you've done so far. I'm sure there's plenty more to come. But um, yes. one, one thing I wanted to ask you was you spoke about um, having mentors. So I think you mentioned Ben Ashworth and you mentioned Ke Kelly Starrett. What do you think the, the biggest benefits have been having those mentors? Well, I think for me especially, because I was in my master's program, I didn't really have a really big mentor that it could help me with the practical side of things. I think the theory is really important, but until you actually apply, it's, it's a completely different thing. And I was really not really confident on my skills because I was just an intern. I was just doing my master's, and they pretty much give me a, a big push and say, you know, you have the desire, you have the like eagerness to learn. So um, try things out and you're going to learn with your mistakes that's going to happen and just don't be afraid of it. Um, and having them guide me through it and say, okay, this is what I would think you should do. Not, not that you have to follow what I say, but here's what I think. And then you judge based on what, what you think. And having that hand there to always like, guide you through it for me it's so important it still is because i mean it's you can never uh, there's so much you you you, you can learn from all, all the other people in the industry and i think that's the biggest thing that people need to understand is just the contribution from each other is so important even that's that's why i like to kind of update everything with my videos and stuff because i know some people benefit from it and i learn from people too um from all those those things so I think having a mentor is I, I always tell people that I, I talk with young coaches that are, are starting now just have a mentor just to you know have a guidance in what you want to do and, and and kind of like help you throughout the way and I think those two um, 
and I still have a lot of different mentors that still help me count, wash, potty, like from Arsenal, I can still text them and, and, and they can give me their insights. So this is for me, it's like amazing because they, they learn from me, I learn from them. I think that's the beauty of our field. That's how it should be. Yeah, and that's one reason for, for getting yourself on the podcast because we see all the great work you do over there and obviously without you sharing it, we'd have no idea what was going on. So it's, I think yeah. it's great for coaches and practitioners to put their work out and obviously be open enough to, to discuss things and give rationales for things, but also be open enough to change the mindset on certain ways yeah. of doing things and be open to people working in slightly different ways. Yeah, and I think it's... It's important too because uh, I see a lot of you know people there are speaking that it's their truth. It's like this is how it should be done. And, and for me, it's like there's so many different contexts that you don't see when you when you watch a video on on, on Instagram, on a YouTube, or on Twitter. Like you don't see, you don't really know what the rationale for for the work. So I, I think I I still see a lot of judgment in the social media on things that people do, but they. I think it should, it should be open. It should be open to say, okay, I like that, I don't like that, but what's your rationale? And that opens an entire conversation. And if we allow ourselves to do that, I think we'll be so much better as practitioners and, practitioners and you know, not stuck in this is the truth, this is how it should be done. There's so many, so many different ways to do it, the same thing. And, you know, people are different, people believe in different things. So I think that's really important. Yeah. Awesome. Well, do you want to touch on your, your philosophy? So you, you've mentioned quite a few people there that have obviously influenced your practice and, and there's some top names that you've, you've mentioned there from obviously over here and over there as well. So do you want to touch on, give a, a sort of um, explanation of your training philosophy and how that fits in with the team setting? Yes, definitely. So um, I think since when I was at Exos, I think I, I developed this, uh, I started to be really picky with movement and, and kind of perfecting the basics. Um, I try not to reinvent the wheel, and that's stuff that I learned as I went through. Um, it's it's really getting the basics and perfecting and being consistent and and kind of working from there. And I I realized that especially in youth um, when I work with youth. That, that applies and again even when I started to work with youth I, I thought that I had to follow through the same concept of you have to follow the basics really well and be consistent but with youth you have to be creative because otherwise they get bored you cannot really so I learned a lot with that in the beginning um, so I, I really learned how to kind of mix things together yeah you, they have to have that time of the methodical process of teaching them the movement pattern and slowing them down, but also you have to create a really chaotic environment so they can figure it out on their own. And that's, for me, the biggest lesson I, I, I got from teaching the youth, because when you go to professional and elite, it's kind of the same thing. You think that they know what they're doing, but they, most likely they don't. Um, so you have to kind of guide them. Um, of course, kind of getting them to the the basics so with with us in in orlando like we 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 hit a lot of bungee work acceleration work nothing really uh you know it's just basic stuff but i'm really picky with them i say 
this is how I, I want you to do, you know, this is how uh, it would be good for you to be more effective on the field. And then from there, how can you create a, a really like good environment for chaos? And then so they can figure it out. And then you can, I like video a lot. So if I slow mo the videos, you can really in a chaotic envi chaos environment, you can really see the expression of movement. It's, and, and that's how sports is, you know, it's, it's chaos. So if you train just the kind of robotic way, slow them down, but you don't put them into really um, in a place that they actually need to figure out by their, themselves, then it's, it's no, you know, there's no point. So I think the biggest thing for me, I think there's the connection in brain and muscles are, it's huge. So I, if, if I train that in a, a daily basis where they can really connect those things together, then when they go and play and then they decelerate, they change direction, they, their brain knows what it has to be done because it, it, it was trained so much. Um, so that's kind of like what I, what I really try to do with Orlando. And we, the biggest thing for me is trying to kind of see what team needs and individual needs um, and that's based on uh, strength. When I see them in the gym and I see a, a compensation or something like that, then I get them to get an individualized program to get better at it. Um, and then it just built from there. It's just what is the needs of the team? And I think a lot of young coaches, they're like, this is the program that I normally like to do, but that's based on what the coach likes, the, the exercise that the coach likes, not sometimes not what the team needs. So the biggest thing for me is like getting those needs and, and put them in, in the weight room or in prehab and get those precious moments because in team, team settings, it's so hard to get those minutes to work with them. So kind of be creative on, on um, getting what you need to be done. Um, so again, it's, my philosophy is evolves, you know, it's, it's not a, a really set philosophy. It evolves all the time. I, I keep making mistakes and learning from them and, and kind of changing things out. So that's, I think that's the, the, the beauty of it. The exciting part of the, the job, it's like you're, you're always having to evolve and always having to learn from your own mistakes. So, um, that's kind of how it's, it's going for me right now. Well, you talk about creativity a lot with your coaching practice so where do you think that's been um affected the most or, or how do you get creative with coaching because a lot of coaches will sort of think that they need to be creative with the sessions they do and they'll understand everything you're saying in terms of engagement especially with youth players but also um, professional or adult players as well so how do you think you've become like um use that create creativity within your coaching yeah, so the biggest thing for me is like it went before I go to the training session, I, I get my notebook. Everybody laughs at me because I always carry my my notebook, which is chewed by chewed by my dog. So there's a, a bunch <laughs> of <laughs> but it's um that's the the process I do every day. So I I I go and I see, okay, I ask myself, what is what is the goal of today's session? So what are what am I looking to solve? You know, so if we're looking, um, some of the players struggle to decelerate. You know, and I, that's the biggest thing that I've been doing with them. And um, so in the warm up, 
If I'm doing a deceleration focus day, what are the main things that I have to hit in the beginning to kind of get them to understand the focus of the day, right? So normally get the bungee work, do some deceleration, um, just so they understand the positions that they have to be in. Um, and from there, now how can I be creative in it and put into a kind of a specific uh, soccer setting? Because that gives them motivation to really and tie the things up together. So, um, and I think I posted it on on Twitter this 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 week. It's I did a deceleration with Bungie, and then we went to a really really simple um, situation drill with the ball, where the player just passed the ball to the other player ten yards apart. They have to sprint to that player, get base position, and just literally shadow defending it's like work on defending principles but also the acceleration and they have to decelerate into a base position to get ready for for defending that's what you see in the game uh, how many times you know 80 percent of the time 90 percent of the time so so that way they're like oh okay now it makes sense and and i i try to tell them okay guys what and, and you ask them too they they will will think about it like well, why am i doing this drill after we do it with the bungee what what are the principles that we're kind of carrying through and they're like oh that makes sense we we need to we need to stay low we need to get that base position and we need to slowly um get those steps in before planting and then when you slow that video down and uh, and i'm lucky to have an intern we have an intern that, that does the video for us um, i slow the video down and i can really see the players that really need a little bit more work on that if they struggle to you know to get those little steps between them they plant it right away and it has a lot of you know impact on their knees i know where to work with them after everything you've explained there i think it'd be great to sort of delve into your coaching practice in further detail so can you give us a, an overview of what you do in terms of injury injury prevention with your players and and how that looks really figure it out what the biggest needs for our players are. Um, we have a, a prehab time before training where we spend 10 minutes every day on, on different things that I, I see it's, it's important for them. Uh, so I, I always get, uh, for example, I'll give you an example. So we had a, a, a trip, a bus trip yesterday uh, to, watch, to watch a game. So we spent a lot of time in the, in the bus. So what I do is like the, the next day where we have training today and, and kind of like what are they doing that day and what can I kind of focus on the prehab. So if it's a, a high speed running day, make sure I get their hamstrings really well in prehab, uh, activate those hammies, those needs, especially individual needs. So what I see in a lot of the female athletes so far is a lack of lumbar pelvic control. Uh, a little bit of stability. Um, so I try to get different exercises in prehab every day to kind of target those things. Um, and again, once we go to warm up, our warm ups um, are pretty much dictated by what they're going to do in session. So I, I help with the, the, I get a physical plan together with the coaches. And this is our plan. Today is going to be more acceleration, deceleration, small side games. Um, so we can really overload that system, those squat and glutes. So my prehab is going to be based on that, activating those quads, glutes for, for change of direction and all that. Um, 
then my warm-up is going to be really focused on that too. So how can I introduce Excel details and kind of get them ready for the session? Uh, and then if I have a gym session that day, uh, normally we do small side on a Monday, Tuesday we go big, it's our red day, we do a little bit of all uh, big spaces, high speed running. So I try on Monday in the gym, kind of still work on lower body push, so they're not fatigued in their posterior chain for high speed running. So kind of been trying things out with the coaches and it's been really good. Our assistant coach was, is a former sports scientist, so he's been really good for me to kind of learn from him and kind of uh, collaborate with him and, and see, okay, this is what we should, we should look as a plan. How can we really be more effective on overloading a system so they're not fatigued the next day for what they're going to do next? So it's been working really well the past two weeks. We, 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 we've done that, and it, it, it's been really good because then we can really take advantage of the time that we have with them and, and be effective, um, and they're not really fatigued to the, the rest of the week. Um, so that's kind of kind of how we work. We, we, I work really close with the coaches in, in terms of what their, their focus is on, on that week and how can I introduce those things in warm-up. So if they're working on deceleration, then I'm going to work on deceleration too to kind of prepare them for what they're going to see. Um, and that's kind of our rationale of, uh, you know, designing a session through the week. And then the gym sessions, normally we have two gym sessions a week, uh, normally one on Monday, which is in the beginning of the week, which is great. I can really load them and get that really good gym and and then sometimes, based on schedule, we have a Thursday gym session, but normally we have game on Saturday. So I try not to really, um, really uh, push them too much on the gym, so they don't have they're not sore for the game. So that Thursday is more explosive uh, potentiation kind of lift, uh, really quick, 15, 20 minutes, uh, still working on stability, maybe ACL prevention. Um, some landing mechanics and some really quick explosive action so they they're they're kind of uh, carry on that strength um, for more power so it's been working really well the the, the players uh, seem to like that um, and that's how normally I, I kind of do the strategy for gym sessions again what is the needs of the players once I got here I realized that they needed a lot of work on on the strength part of it so I could. So the idea is like, okay, I need to build a foundational strength and, and kind of teach them to lift really heavy weights because they are really afraid of lifting heavy. So um, we've gone a long way, and it's, it's, it's really has really improved, and it's it's great to see their mentality, and they see that it works. They see they feel strong on the field, um, and that's what what you know it's good for us as coaches because um, you see them buy into what you do. That's the best thing ever. So. Um, so that's kind of overview of how it goes on a weekly basis. Yeah, that's great. Something I spoke to Nick Grantham about was the culture in football or soccer. And I, I, I don't know whether it's a little bit different over there to what it is over here, but when it comes to lifting and especially lifting heavy and also understanding the transfer of lifting heavy, what that does on the pitch, and it, like the old school view, views of making you just bulky and big and all that sort of stuff. Do you, do you um, see that over there or do you think it's slightly different to the US or what did you see from being here and being over there? 
Yeah, I think I think the U.S. I mean, we we, we do have a, a big culture of lifting heavy from college, but what I've been seeing with players coming out from college, some some colleges have amazing programs, amazing strength programs, uh, but I see a lot of and. I had the same experience where I came from Brazil and I did not lift weights. And when I got here, sometimes it was like you have to lift heavy, lift heavy. But then the technique was not there and that can bring problems. So I think, and that's kind of like my philosophy. I'm really picky with movement and technique and making sure they do it really well before hitting the weights. Um, So I still think that there's a lot of players coming out of the college system that they can be strong, but they have so many compensations. They have, you know, they're stiff. The technique is not there. So what I try to do is really educate, especially the youngest uh, on our group coming out of college to kind of like, okay, let's take a step down. Let's work on the stability. Let's work on the technique. And then from there, we can slowly progress to lift heavy. And um, we came to a point that our younger uh our, our younger players are really getting excited to be lifting heavy and they're, you know, they see the transferability of, of it. You still see uh, players that think that, I mean, that's going to make them slow, but then once you educate them again, you say, okay, this Monday is going to be all strength. On Thursday, gonna, I want you to, to see that transition from how strong you are to how powerful you are. And then if you kind of educate them into that mindset and then they see it on the field and they they feel a little bit more resilient and they're not having as much injuries as they were before then that's that takes care of itself then you're creating a culture that where it becomes the norm and that's what the biggest thing for us is like how can you create a culture where lifting heavy or like training at a high intensity and I think that's what the new coaches are bringing to that change in our culture for really for better it's creating that norm so they know that they have to work hard they know that and they understand the process they understand why they're doing it and they're all bought into it and I think that's the biggest thing it's like especially even telling them to submit their readiness questionnaires you know if you're not doing, you're gonna you're gonna pay a fine for it, you know. So you kind of kind of get them accountable for 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 those things, and then you create a norm. So people there come in, they know that the norm is is there, so they don't complain. They know what it's, it needs to be done. So now it's up to them to kind of take care of themselves to get the appropriate recovery, because they know the red day is gonna be really a red day, and they're gonna work hard. But that's the norm. They know what what it what it is. So it's been really cool to see the switch, the shift in culture that the coaches are bringing in, and we're kind of as a supporting staff, as strength conditioning and the medical department, kind of join into that into their specific departments and say, okay, this is what we we are you know our expectations for you and this, and then how can you really be accountable for that? So I think that's the biggest thing with in terms of culture. It's how how can you create that into your 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 team culture and, and, and develop that. Just looking from the outside, and just this is just from my point of view. I look at the women's game and especially how a lot of the teams prepare for the the World Cup recently. And I don't know whether it's because it's it's escalating massively now. The women's game is getting more and more exposure, and we saw that with the recent tournament and and how explosive the the 
players, a lot of the players looked. But do you think that's that's tied in with it that it is that it just seems to be sort of ramping up now in terms of exposure to that game, whereas the the men's side of it, and especially I'm talking more about the UK now rather than, than in Europe or over in the US. Well, there was it. There's like old school culture set in place with certain certain teams or certain players that this is the way they do it, and they didn't. They don't really want to change. Like, what, do you have any point, any views on that? Yeah, I think I think the women's game is definitely growing since I started as a player in 2010. You can really see even the development in national teams and in the professional clubs that. It's kind of like the investment is going there and people are understanding that there's a need for, you know, structuring their programs a little bit more. Uh, we're really lucky here in the U.S. Uh, the U.S. soccer, um, the system is, is really is really organized in terms of especially the high performance, um, the way it's, it's, it's run by Don Scott, who is in the U.S. national team. Um, so she make she she does a really good job on providing the league in, with the best tools possible for you to really develop the game and get kind of like be the, the best high performance in the world, you know. And um, and I think it's I think it's growing. And, and even with the coach, the coaches and the, the the high performance staff all over the league, and I see. Even in Brazil, that it's it's kind of like it, it was, when I played professional there, it was horrible what what we had to deal with in terms of structure and stuff. Um, but, but clubs are starting to invest a little bit more. It's still not where it is supposed to be, but um, definitely we uh, we are evolving in the the coaching, the high performance, especially. It's it's getting the players what they need to be stronger, to be faster. So that's gonna incre increase the the game, uh, the game quality, right? So the the players are gonna be um, you're gonna see a lot of more resilient players. Uh, the the speed of the game changed so much too, and people are enjoying it, watching it way more because um, it's the quality is, is is becoming so much better. And uh, and even I think the UK. It's it's getting better too with the big teams and hopefully the the you know the the teams were always they're gonna build a really good uh, structure there for all the teams to have um, but it's it's definitely growing I think it, the education part is huge especially for coaches um, in terms of the, especially the high performance staff I I did a trip on in Spain and got to kind of meet a lot of the professional players in different uh, Spanish clubs and it's it's growing but there's a long way to go but it's in the, it's definitely in the right direction definitely in the right direction yeah it, it, it does take a while for cultures to change and progress it does take a while doesn't it and I um, I called the episode when it Graham from nudge the culture along because that's a phrase he used and if we can all sort of nudge it in the right direction eventually it does move in the right direction doesn't it so I think that's really important for, for yeah. coaches both technical and S and C to to do to work the same way and, and climb the same ladder. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a kind of like a creates a snowball effect, right? So if when you see uh, a team or uh, a league that is kind of going to that direction, all the others are going to kind of work towards that too. So uh, I think that's what the World Cup kind of brought. Uh, 
the, the you know the really the the energy that the, the World Cup brought was like okay, what are what are the best are doing to be the best? How can we really try to reach that? And then you know the smallest things. How can we collaborate with with each other and the coaches to kind of provide them provide the team with the best uh, tools that they they can have to to be the best. You know, and I think that's the so the snowball effect that we want to keep seeing uh, going forward in the women's game, especially. I think it would be really interesting at the next sort of major tournament to see the differences in, in like you said, the speed of play, because from previous tournaments, it's definitely improving all the time, isn't it? So I think the progression over the next few years is just going to be really interesting to see. Definitely. And again, I think we're we're becoming a little bit smarter on, on, on how we, we train our athletes and and even like high speed running exposure, that's stuff that I never had in college and in terms of like, you know, really managing well the, the sessions, not, it's not all the, the tough mentality. Oh, you have to puke to, to be fit. You know, I, I need to see you like really puke to be able to see that you're doing your best. And I think those days are hopefully are going to be long gone and then people are going to understand that. Yes, you got to train hard, you know, but you got to be a little bit smarter too. So, um, so that's uh, you have to find the balance, you know. You got to find yeah. the balance between. Definitely. So, where do you see? Um, where are you looking to progress in your coaching practice? What are things that you're going to focus on improving for your players over the next like season or the next half a season? What what you guys have probably got left? Where do you see that progression? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, well, personally for me as a coach, I, I want to prioritize a little bit more the data part of it. Uh, I just, the stuff that I'm not, I was not really, um, just not really um, kind of got a lot of experience on it. Um, so I want to be able to really be more comfortable with the data and how I can kind of get the variables and put in Excel and, and do all those those crazy things. Um, so be better with the data in terms of, uh, you know, using the right variables and and kind of create uh, an assessment tool with the players where we'll assess them at the end of the season in the gym and then kind of see in preseason how they come. Um, and then just just work on individualize even more next year because now I know what the players need, uh, specific players uh, to kind of get their compensations, movement compensations and mechanics right. So now going for next season, I, I have an idea what everybody needs and kind of maybe create more individualized programs for them. And um, and then, yeah, I'm really just really excited to to keep to keep this going because it's it's been really big learning experience for me um especially at this level and um i just can't wait to kind of keep continue collaborating with my mentors collaborating with the other coaches in the league to kind of so we can be the best as uh, as we can in providing the players what they need that's amazing and i've mentioned obviously the work you put out there so where's the best place for people to follow that yeah, I think Twitter for me is the, the biggest place that I, I put all my stuff. So just to type in my name, Evie Casagrande, you'll find me. Um, and again, we'd love to collaborate with coaches and, and, and start the conversation and learn from each other. That's where 
that's why I, I post what I post is because I know a lot, a lot of coaches uh, take a, like they they like that and and they they see that uh, those drills that they can use with their team. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll keep sharing my stuff and and try to to help other coaches in the world and and kind of start a conversation. So. Amazing. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd fully, fully encourage you to keep putting us, all that information out because I think it's quality. We've seen a lot of the work you've out in there. Uh, I'd say just keep go, keep keep doing it, keep collaborating with people because there's some quality work going out and I'd encourage everyone to go and follow you over on Twitter and have a look at the stuff you've put out. So, um, well, yeah. thank you very much for coming on today. I really appreciate it and it's been great speaking to you. Thank you so much, Ben. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you um, and be on your podcast, which I, I love. I love it so much, always listening to it. So keep it up. It's, it's great content. Well, thank you very much, and we wish you all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. Bye. Big thank you for listening to the episode with Evie. It was great to get her on. I think there was so much good, good information in that episode on the way that she works um, and the way her coaching practices develop, developed across the years through the different mentors that she's she's had and has at the moment. Um, you can follow Evie on Twitter. She's uh, just her name. So it's I-V-I-C-A-S-A-G-R-A-N-D-E. And she puts loads of great information out on on Twitter, including some videos of the work that she does with with Orlando Pride. Some of the biggest takeaways for me were, firstly, where she talks about the mentors and and the names that she mentions, the likes of Kelly Starrett and um, Ben Ashworth and people like that. I think that's invaluable for coaches to have people like that to draw on their experience but also the sacrifices she's made in her career so far, traveling around and um, actually going visiting coaches and, and, just, and just putting herself out there. And I think that's led to the opportunities that she's got at the moment. But then also where she talks about perfecting the basics, she's, she, I think that comes from the work that she's done with the mentors and she spoke about that. But going back to basics and really um, clamping down on, on perfecting the basics with players also how to be creative I think it was great when she touched on that um, being a creative coach and, and making sessions creative rather than just um, boring sessions that we just put players through you've got to use your your mind and, and get creative with your coaching to get the most out of the sessions and then like I mentioned before the sacrifices she's made to progress in her career I think that coaches need to listen to that and especially young coaches that are coming into the field now there's not many roles out there we've spoke time and time again about the amount of people that come out of university but you have to put yourself out there you have to create opportunities for yourself and I think that's what Evie um, has shown and she's shown that the sacrifices that she's made and that's led to the opportunities the opportunities she's got right now but also the opportunities she'll get in the future um, and I think she's definitely a coach to, to keep an eye on and like I say the work that she's put out we've we watch we we um, see the quality of, of information that she puts out there so I do recommend for you to go and follow her and I'm sure if you've got any questions on anything you could reach out to her as well and she'd be more than more than happy to uh, get into conversation and, and answer any questions that you've got. So it was great to have Evie on. Massive thank you to for her, um, giving up her time. I hope the uh, complications with Skype didn't come across too much in the episode, but I do think there was so much good information in there that I, I did leave it out there. 
it'd be great to hear from you so please get in touch let us know what you thought of the episode your biggest takeaways they might not be the same as mine you might have taken away some different different things from the episode so it'd be great to hear from you and like I mentioned at the start of the episode please head over to iTunes leave us a review it'd be great to get some more reviews on there and um, we will speak to you again next week